Wonder Things Studios proudly presents Archivos Brainstorms, episode 112. You've tuned into the Archivos Podcast Network. I'm Marie Billado. And I'm Dave Robison. And you're listening to Archivos Brainstorms. On Archivos Brainstorms, we invite writers to pitch a story idea to us and <laughs> our esteemed guest host. And then we dive in, exploring every nook and cranny of the story mentioned, testing its foundations, checking for water in the basement and bats in the attic, hoping to transform the raw idea into sellable house with carrot-filled gardens and multicolored bird baths, or, or, or we turn it into literary gold. Literary gold, <laughs> or, or you know, a good listing on on Zillow. Absolutely, either way, <laughs> it's a win. whatever works, right? <laughs> Outstanding. Very cool. And as with all episodes of the Archivos Podcast Network, this episode is brought to you by Archivos, the story mapping, development, and presentation tool for today's storytellers. Uh, Marie Billado, welcome back. Lovely to be back in the virtual studios with you, my friend. It has been far too long. I agree completely. I had missed this to the point of, of some quite painful withdrawal symptoms. So this is great. <laughs> well, let's yeah, let's let's put that into our rearview mirror and look forward to the the awesomeness to come. Uh, uh, and speaking of awesomeness to come, let's welcome back our guest host, friends fresh from a, a, an incredible and, and literary gold filled conversation from the Archivos Insights episode of seven days ago. Please welcome back to the big chair. Here in the Archivos Studios, Master James Sutter. Uh, James, hey, good to be back. Yes, indeed. <laughs> chair, chair is comfy, right? It's it's fluffed. Oh yeah, it's got a, it's got a view of the bird baths. Um, it's really <laughs> good. It's really nice. I'm amazed that you could afford this. I know. Thank you and for noticing. We put a lot of work into the shui of of our virtual studio, so thank you for that. That's awesome. <laughs> James, dude, I'm, I'm pumped at the prospect of brainstorming a story with you, but with someone with your diverse creative spectrum of expression and exploration, the, the list of what's happening in the world of James Sutter must be a long and exhaustive thing. So, so please regale us, sir. What's coming up in your world? Well, the big things right now are, of course, the Starfinder role-playing game, uh, which I'm the creative director of, uh, launches at Gen Con, so in August here. Um, and that's a science fantasy role-playing game. Uh, it's very similar to the Pathfinder role-playing game, if you're familiar with that, but it's uh, it's a standalone game. Uh, so that's very exciting. I'm also uh, doing some comics at the moment. Uh, I've been writing a Pathfinder series called Rune Scars that's just now uh, should be about finishing up by the time this goes live. Uh, so uh, it's a five-issue series that I'm writing with Wes Schneider that touches on a lot of sort of the uh, really classic locations and elements of Pathfinder from the early days. You know, it's in Corvosa. It's got Hell Knights. Uh, people are really having fun with that one. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. I've been writing a lot of the Pathfinder comics for the past couple years, uh, and it's just a blast to work with that team. Um, so those are the big things. I'm also doing some video game writing. Uh, I do a phone app called Castle Creeps that is a tower defense game that I'm writing on. That's been taking up some of my time. And that's that's really fun to see, you know, in the same way that I love 
doing comics because I love getting <laughs> getting paid to tell an artist to draw things. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much the best thing. Uh, but then to have those things animated and walk across your screen and trying to attack you is pretty fun too. So <laughs> there's a there's a lot going on at the moment. That's amazing. I had no idea you were ready for video games too. That's incredible. Yeah, you know, it was actually um that one kind of came out of the blue. Like some folks saw that I had done an interview about world building somewhere and they said hey you know we're from this video game company we think you're our guy you want to come be sort of the lead writer on this game and i was thinking this is two dudes in a basement somewhere <laughs> um, like thanks which nothing against uh, a lot of great things have come out of two dude basements but uh, i didn't think that they could necessarily afford to pay me. And then I looked up their company and it turns out they were actually like the biggest game company in Scotland. They, you know, were working on, did an angry birds game and stuff. And so I was like, Oh, okay. So I've been working for the last year or so with that team on this tower defense game. Uh, So to expand on the, the quote you invoked last week, not only does quantity beget quality, but quantity begets opportunity as well. uh, No, I, I believe strongly in um, what I call procrastivity, which is always (laughs) having several projects I'm excited about so that when I reach the point, the inevitable point where I'm exhausted and avoiding one, I can cheat on it with the other one. And so I'm always, (laughs) I'm always getting something done and feeling like I'm getting away with something. Outstanding. (laughs) Very cool. Well, we know you're going to be at Gen Con. What else uh, is on your convention radar? Well, um, geez, let's see. Uh, I'll be at Gen Con. Um, I'm going to be doing at least one panel at um, PAX Dev, which is a right before uh, the big Penny Arcade Expo. They do a game developer one. So I'm going to be teaching a quick class there um, with uh, Wes Schneider as well. And then after that, you know, I'll be at Emerald City. Um, I'll be at. Uh, in March at uh, Conglomeration uh, down in Kentucky. Uh, they're bringing me out as a guest of honor. But uh, I'm looking forward to a pretty lazy fall, which is good because <laughs> I just got back from uh, Icon, just flew me down to Johannesburg in South Africa to be the guest of honor there. Right, and that was that. fascinating. That was really an amazing show. Um, and I can't thank uh, you know Les and everybody who put that together for enough for bringing me down. Um, Cause it was really, I mean, how many, how many conventions do you get to go to a convention and then go on safari afterward? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was pretty amazing. The, the nerd experience is truly a global experience. That's cool. You got a chance to sample that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. I'll make sure all of that gets into the liner notes so people can keep their radar up for, for James Sutter sightings out in the wild. If they're on, if they're on editor safari well, or whatever. And the best way to do that, uh, shameless plug is uh, follow me on Twitter at James L Sutter. Twitter is where I go to uh, try and feel like I'm important. So <laughs> please boost my <laughs> my self-esteem artificially by coming and following me on there. I will say his Twitter feed is well worth the, the price of admission. It is, it is both informative, insightful, and hilarious. So make that scene, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Marie, what about you? It's it's been a few months. Uh what's what's it happening has. in your world? Um, 
Well, the one thing that I don't think I got to talk about is the third and last book of my space opera trilogy, uh, right. which was, yeah, it was translated into French by Les Editions Alire. So it has, it has come out, La Guerre de Myriale, uh, and it is an absolutely gorgeous cover. It's like you know the first book they did a cover that was kind of steampunkish, and then and then the second book was kind of like fantasy esque, and now it's like space opera full out with explosions <laughs> and stuff. Uh, the cover artist is uh, Grigory Fromato. Who works on cool stuff like Assassin's Creed? Too. I absolutely love him. Yeah. I keep mentioning him in case he ever hears anything, and then he can feel the love. <laughs> um, I've never met him, uh, so that came out, and that that's been fun. I've been touring that around in Quebec mostly, um, so I've, I've been quite fortunate there. And I'm going to head a few places in the fall as well. Uh, nowhere where you're going to be, Dave, and that makes me a little bit sad. That is a sad there will thing. be no hanging out, uh, but <laughs> I will be at New York Comic Con October fifth to the eighth. Awesome. And I will be at CanCon in Ottawa, October 13th to the 15th, uh, which is a really fun con. I'm one of the co-chairs, just a disclaimer, but you should totally come. Um, totally. And totally. totally. And uh, World Fantasy Con as well, uh, November 2 to the 5th in and San Antonio, I believe, this round. So I will be there as well. I'm going awesome. around a bit. You are. You're making nice. the rounds. You've been, you've been hopping. Well oh, done. I love it. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, friends, I will make sure that both of your, your, your legacies and awesomeness make it into the liner notes for the episode. Uh, uh, but here's what I'd like to do right now. I, I'd like to give a pause uh, and give a little airtime to the sponsor of the Archivos Podcast Network, the Archivos Story Mapping and Development Software Package. Uh, but when we come back from that, James, Marie, I would love to brainstorm a story with you. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's rock it. Let's rock it out loud. Awesome. Very cool. Friends, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Let me talk to the storytellers for a second. You know who you are. Crafting a story that captures the imaginations and the hearts of your audience is no small task. Stacks of notes, timelines, maps, character profiles. The architecture of storytelling can be a daunting prospect. Introducing Archivos, the story development tool for today's storytellers. With Archivos, storytellers don't just document the characters, places, and events of their stories. They define the relationships between those story elements and then visualize those connections through unique story mapping interfaces like the living map, the timeline, and the story web. By giving storytellers the ability to see and interact with that network of story elements, Archivos helps ensure story comprehension and continuity, while providing a dramatic and engaging way for fans to explore the story worlds they love. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated. Welcome back, dear friends, to the Archivos Brainstorms podcast. And it's time to live up to the hype and actually do what we claim to do, and that's brainstorm. <laughs> and that does not happen without a bold and courageous guest writer, a creative and courageous guest writer. And friends, our guest writer for this episode of Archivos Brainstorms started writing when he was in middle school, inspired to take pen in hand by the adventures in his D&D &D campaigns. And seriously, 
dudes, D&D is like the gateway drug for genre fiction authors, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think a little bit. So, yeah, who am I talking to here, right? It has literally been responsible for 100% of my career. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you guys, they say that experience is the best teacher for a storyteller. And friends, our guest host has that in spades. He's a military veteran joining the army when he was 18 and serving in the 82nd Airborne Division, 75th Ranger Regiment, and even saw some action in Somalia. He lived in Korea for four years, has played guitar in various church bands and blues ensembles around Las Vegas, where he currently lives, and works the night shift as a cashier. I mean, seriously, if this guy wasn't a writer, he'd be the backstory for a kick-butt protagonist, right? Dear friends, mm-hmm. please welcome to the writer's chair here at the Archivos Brainstorm Arena, Brandon Green. Brandon Dude, I've been doing this for five years, man, and I know it's never easy to step up and and put your baby out for discussion and exploration. So my hat is off to you, man, for your cojones and courage. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you for having me on, and I'm excited to see what sort of magic happens here. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, and you know, the, the, the magic engine is a little rusty, but I have oiled that sucker down with WD-40 and so on. We are ready to fire that bad boy up. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and do that? Let's, let's get into that goodness. So you know how this works, Brandon. We give you five to eight minutes. You give us the, the story name and the title and the genre and your target audience. Introduce us to the themes and the, the, the world and the characters. Give us the tent poles of the story you're trying to pull together, and we will be launched into a brainstorm froth, uh, the likes of which has not been seen in a very long time. So um, that's it. I'm done. I'm getting out of the way, sir. Brandon, the mic is all yours, man. So this is a graphic novel targeted to a younger audience, uh, teens to mid-twenties. The working title is Song of the Wasteland. It's a post-apocalyptic story with themes of believing in yourself and having faith in others. I've stolen elements from Star Wars, Mad Max, Escape from New York, and yes, even the Partridge family. (laughs) The world is a post-apocalyptic wasteland with minimal technology. Think Mad Max. After a devastating world war... Humanity either fled to underground bunkers or took their chances above ground where mutants and gangs have taken over, where remains of humanity is mostly insular groups struggling to survive in a harsh environment. Here's the hook. In a post-apocalyptic wasteland, the man with hidden powers joins a traveling rock band on a mission to stop an evil entertainer who can enslave people with the power of his voice. Mm. Uh, The protagonist of the story is Dorian, a man with a hidden power. He doesn't believe in himself or his abilities, but by the end of the story, he will have to endure without relying on someone else. Lydia is the leader of the Bunker Busters, a traveling rock band. She is fiercely independent. By the end of the story, she will have to learn to rely on her friends. The antagonist is El Rey, an entertainer who can bend others to his will. Once bullied and rejected by his peers, he now uses his power to marginalize others. The members of the Bunker Busters are Lydia on guitar and vocals, Iona on keys and vocals, Mixo on drums, Aeola on bass, Frigo on a stationary bike, and Locri on a stationary bike. Another character of note is J-Power, the de facto mayor of the City of Light. The story opens with Dorian going about his daily business when a brightly painted bus arrives in the shantytown. The bus belongs to the Bunker Busters, a traveling rock band. They use electric instruments, guitar, bass, keyboard, and drums that are amplified by two men who pedal stationary bikes. They put on an impromptu concert for the town, which seems to supernaturally raise everyone's spirits. 
Afterwards, the town has a feast in honor of the Busters, which is interrupted by a marauding group of cannibal mutants. Lydia takes to the stage and starts singing, which amazingly makes the mutants turn tail and run. Afterwards, Lydia approaches Dorian and reveals to him that he has the same power she does, an ability they simply refer to as the voice. She offers to let him tag along and learn how to use the power. At first, he refuses, but other folks in town convince him to go. On the road, Dorian learns more about his ability and the Busters. As their name implies, they used to live in a bunker. Becoming unsatisfied with their life of seclusion and wanting to be a force for good in the world, they left against the wishes of their superiors and took their act on the road. Lydia gifts Dorian with a flying V, and he gets to practicing. They arrive in another shantytown, and the people here seem to be under a spell. They keep talking about somebody named El Rey and how great he is. The Busters recognize this as an effect of the voice. Lydia says they can break the spell if they use their powers, but the people get aggressive and run them out of town. On their way out, Mixo finds a poster advertising a battle of bands in the City of Light. Lydia seems to be hit hard by the events and becomes depressed. Iona reveals that they know El Rey. He was the sanitation guy in the bunker. His real name is Manny Reyes. Other people in the bunker bullied him and treated him badly, and he ran away. Lydia confesses that she also teased and harassed him, and she feels partially responsible for how he's turned out. The Busters head to the City of Light. When they arrive, they find it pretty rough town. Lots of drugs, prostitution, gambling, and general thuggery. The leader of the city is Jay Power, a stereotypical gangster who is also the host of the battle. Finally, they catch up with El Rey and he taunts them. After tomorrow, the city will be under his control and he will never be stepped on again. Lydia tries to talk him down. He shoots back that she was no better than the others. She apologizes, but El Rey says it's too late for that. The day of the battle has arrived. And though there are many bands in attendance, the Busters and El Rey come out as the clear victors on the first day. It's time for the final showdown. El Rey and the Busters take opposing stages and prepare to battle it out. Before they realize her absence, El Rey mocks them about their leader not showing up. Dorian starts to freak out. How can he lead the Busters? He hasn't had the experience necessary to do it, and he doubts his abilities. Frigo says he will go look for Lydia, and Locri balks, saying he may not be able to power the band alone. Smug with his perceived victory, El Rey kicks it off and drives the crowd into a fever pitch. They worship him. Dorian counters with a message of love, but the crowd isn't reacting as he would have hoped. They almost seem bored. Frigo is running around backstage and sees the thugs putting Lydia in a lowrider. He grabs a nearby bicycle and starts pedaling after her. Meanwhile, Iona gets in Dorian's face. She says that he has the voice. Nobody else on this stage does. He has to do what he can, but even if Lydia is gone, they are still here for him. El Rey gives the floor back, and Dorian closes his eyes, remembering what Lydia taught him. He sings a song and keeps building it into a beautiful and inspiring chorus. We see the band playing for all they're worth, and Locri pedaling like he never has before. In her cut, we see Frigo pedaling for all he is worth after the lowrider. Dorian nails it this time, and as the crowd starts to lose themselves in the positive vibes, El Rey realizes he may be beat. Back to Frigo, he catches up with the car and ungags Lydia. She immediately uses the voice against her captors. Back at the battle, Dorian and the Busters have completely won over the crowd, and El Rey has a meltdown. How can people buy that happy, goody-goody crap? Just then, Lydia and Frigo return on a bicycle. Reunited, they perform one last number. The Bunker Busters are hailed as the winner of the battle. El Rey can't handle this and storms off. But all the people cheer and hug and jump for joy as Dorian and Lydia share a kiss on stage. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it all. <laughs> That's like a storyboard, baby. That's awesome, Brandon. Very cool. Excellent pitch, sir. Let me ask you before we dive into this, uh, what are you hoping to get 
out of the next uh, half hour or so of brainstorming awesomeness? Uh, I think the two main things, I'm not entirely happy with Dorian. He doesn't seem like he's as full as he could be as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the ending, I'm not completely satisfied with the way that El Ray just kind of is beaten and leaves. And Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But other than that, I'm just looking for any sort of magic that you guys can throw my way. So. Dude, I think you have come to the right place. And and we will absolutely start invoking that magic right away. But first, we must please cover our butts, as it as it were. <laughs> uh, Marie, would you be so kind as to offer the now Archivos Brainstorms patented disclaimer? <laughs> Which is completely different from the Roundtable podcast completely, one. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, then, Brandon. You're about to experience a veritable deluge of ideas, insights, and inspirations. It's important to realize that everything, and we mean absolutely everything, said from this point forward by myself, Dave, or James, might be complete hornswaggle. This is your story, and you decide what to use and what to cast aside, okay? Sounds good to me. <laughs> did, it, did the hornswaggle work for you? The hornswaggle it was, is man. awesome. <laughs> Hornswoggle is a beautiful word. It's beautiful, <laughs> outstanding. Yes, I think that I think that covers it very well. We are we are now cut loose and set free. So let's do this thing. And we always start with a quick once around the table, just to give first impressions and any questions of clarification or things that popped out initially, and sort of set the stage for the brainstorm major. And we always start with our guest host. So James Sutter, please start us off, sir. First impressions of of Brandon's. <laughs> story pitch and and what questions do you have well so i i mean it's a obviously subject matter close to my heart i love post-apocalyptic i love band stories um and so i feel like this has a very uh carnival meets six string samurai kind of thing going on (laughs) um which i think with i think speaks well to it um i guess my first questions right out the gate are why is there magic in there at all like it's uh, you know we talked sort of about uh Dorian and El Rey and whatnot having like a power sort of, and I feel like would the story work as just as well without the magic? And similarly, you know, I have some questions about the ending as well in that if the bad guy just slinks off afterwards, that's a little too sort of one dimensional for me. It seems like I was waiting for, and then things get real bad, right? Like, cause <laughs> He's, he's not just going to wander off. Um, and he yeah, and I also, the nuclear bomb or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, I guess I also wonder: Is Dorian really the main character, or you know, would the book work just as well if like Lydia were the main character or something? So I have lots of things jumbling around, but I'll see what other people have to say. Mm-hmm. Good, good initial points, and and I I echo meant much of that as well. Marie, what about mm-hmm. you? First thoughts, first impressions. Uh, definitely uh, echoing a lot of what James said. Um, I, one of the things that I kept looking for as well were character motivations. I mean, you mentioned El Rey's character motivation. I think that was the one that was the most clearly defined, but I was particularly curious as to Dorian and Lydia and what their motivation was. And that to me wasn't clear. And I also did have the question of was Dorian actually your main character? And uh, also, the convenience of certain little spots, which I think we'll chat a bit about as well, but like Lydia, 
vanishing when she is most useful it is a little bit more convenient but uh those were just kind of the ideas that were rolling around just as a first impression but i love the idea i love post-apocalyptic as well i think it's it's awesome and i i love the rock band idea traveling across a post-apocalyptic landscape that would make much more fun if you ask me so that that i'm i'm totally behind that i agree i absolutely agree the 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 post-apocalyptic band story really as soon as you laid it out brandy it was like oh hell yeah that's inspired that's brilliant and the visuals (laughs) of having these guys on bikes you know with sparks flying as these these decrepit uh uh, stratocasters and whatever are shredding uh, uh guitar solos and so on i mean the the from a graphic novel perspective and from a story perspective, that's that's got a lot of a lot of juice. Uh, so I agree. I think you. I think the foundation you're building on is strong. I honestly hadn't considered the the possibility of there not being magic in this, James, and that's an excellent point. I don't know if if the voice is really necessary because it really becomes almost an artificial anointing of specialness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a MacGuffin. Uh, and will yeah. the story work without it? Uh, I I think it might. Although the the deep deep nerd in me is saying, oh no, please make the magic powers work. Make the magic powers work. Uh, so we can we can explore both ends of that. But uh, ultimately, whatever is going to serve for the better story will be the final answer. Um, I I think the problem that you're having, Brandon, is first of all, neither your 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 villain, your your antagonist, nor your protagonist have. Um, these these moments of crisis there you know uh, dorian has his transformation by somebody telling him basically hey dorian you're awesome go do it and dorian goes oh my god you're right i am awesome and then away he goes and saves the day we we need a much deeper uh uh, uh hook and and pain and 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 obstacle for dorian to overcome himself to earn the status of hero uh uh and and achieve the triumph that that will make it a satisfying story and yeah, this, the same is true for, for El Rey. He's, oh, I lost. God, I can't believe people are so stupid. Oh, well, and walks away. No, we, we, we definitely need to amplify that up as well. So I'm, I'm hooking into El Rey. I, I did have a flag go up with Lydia's uh, uh, character arc. She starts off fiercely independent and then learns to rely on other people. And honestly, fiercely independent isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in order to give Lydia's arc more substance uh, and more relevance, I think, in the context of the larger story, we're going to need to tweak her arc a little bit to figure out. And as was pointed out, she does disappear uh, conveniently. Uh, and we th- there needs to be either a much stronger reason for that or, or uh, we need to find an alternative way. Can I throw out an idea? Please, um, let it begin. So this is... And this is the sort of thing where I should note that I do this uh, all all the time with um, uh, my frequent co-author uh, and Pathfinder co-creator Wes Schneider. Um, we we will often be sounding boards for each other and just take elements and just turn them on their head. But so thinking of that, my first thought is, you know, really the person who's at the crux of all of this is really Lydia. You know, she's the one with a past with uh, El Rey. She's the one who's the leader of the band. She's the one, if you have this magic, she's the one with the voice. It seems like, to me, she's a more interesting protagonist. And I was thinking, you know, she's the only one with any real tie to the bad guy. What if you played that up? And what if the romance was not between her and Dorian? What if the romance was between her and El Rey? Oh, damn! But, like... 
Well, but <laughs> still have him be a bad guy, right? Like, what if the con- part of the conflict for her is that she's got a relationship with this villain, and like they're sort of they've got a love hate relationship instead of just a uh, hate hate relationship, you know, like something to kind of deepen and complicate things. I like that, Brandon. What do you think? No, I, yeah, I really like that idea. Actually, um, okay. <laughs> The, the whole idea of bringing Dorian in as a main character was to kind of have like an outsider's view of what's going on, just to kind of help with exposition and whatnot. Kind of like a somebody a, to ask questions, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and really, Lydia's uh, right now. She's maybe not. She's not fiercely independent. She's a loner, and they're traveling from city to city to city because she's terrified of making connections. So that when, you know, after after the, the horrible, horrible experiences with El Rey, that was more than just a, a breakup and throwing a glass of wine in their face. Uh, uh, maybe people died. Uh, uh, maybe there was a, a serious schism of philosophy of how to use the voice or whatever. Um, but if 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 Dorian represents a responsibility because he has the voice, because it's so rare and because she's the one who will either teach him or he'll go off and either become a disciple of El Rey or maybe there's something bad about the voice that will will ultimately destroy him. That she if she if she turns him away, she's she's basically killing him. She right. could see him as like a path to redemption as well, just riffing off of what you just said. Because if something went wrong with El Rey and she not only had that romantic thing that might have destroyed El Rey to some degree, or but she was trying to teach him how to use the voice if that remains magical. And then she sees someone else who needs her and she's got that, that history now with El Rey that she's working with. So, you know, he could be her path to redemption or to complete destruction. Sure. Or what if what if Dorian was was a <laughs> member of El Rey's band and got kicked out? You know, Would he well, kick him out if he knew there was magic? Well, that's true. If he has, if we got the voice. So I think uh, before we go too far down the magic road, I want to know what is the need for magic because I feel like, or what role is magic playing in the story? Because I feel like oftentimes with a setting element like this, uh, it needs to either be a big deal. Or not there at all, right? Like if it's if it's this thing, this huge, it's a magical power. That's a big deal. But if it only shows up a couple of times or like doesn't really play into the overall arc of the story, then you kind of say, well, why was it there? Um, and I think you could go either direction with it. But it definitely, you, like you guys were saying, it does smack of the chosen one thing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like uh, as interesting as it is to have a band who's front man or front woman can win over a crowd magically. I actually think it's maybe more interesting if they win them over just by being an awesome band, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, That's something we can all strive for, which is nice. Brandon, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, my idea for the voice thing wasn't necessarily magic. It was that people had been mutated throughout the war via, you know, whatever, hand wavium. And that one of those was this surfacing of psychic powers. So maybe their powers aren't necessarily the only ones, but I, I can see where you're going with that. Yeah, uh, it, it will need to be much more supported and play a much more integral role in the culture and the world building and, and ultimately the, the, the reason for the story to begin with. I, I just want to yeah. toss something out that, that when I heard this uh, sparked in my mind back, back, back in the day when heavy metal was <laughs> a, uh, uh, an actual magazine that you bought uh, at the Seven Eleven, 
Um, there was a, a comic series called Heil Man, uh, and he was a hard rocker. And when he rocked hard, you know, bolts of force. When when people cut heads in this comic, there were bolts of force. When you hit the right chord, bam, light, fire, boom, explosions. <laughs> and it was just incredible. You know, again, it was a comic, so it was, the visuals were amazing. Uh, uh, and it was it it really I, I think that's why I'm so uh, hung up on the notion of the the magic in the post apocalyptic world because of that that very compelling visual of that I'm not saying that that's a reason to bring it in here but that that's one of the reasons why I'm so hung up on it well and actually the inspiration from this came from something very mundane uh, I'd been reading a uh, about Robert is it Robert Johnson I don't know the devil at the crossroads yeah no 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 Loot, loot player from the Elizabethan era. Oh, oh <laughs> totally not. <laughs> we, we went yeah. somewhere completely different. <laughs> I probably got his name wrong, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was very fam- famous back then, and he would go from town to town, and people like would lose their minds whenever he played. Right, and to us, it's just you know cheesy medieval loot mu- music, but they had never, they didn't listen to music very often. They couldn't just throw something into a CD player or anything like that. So when they heard this, it was something that literally they had never heard before. And it just blew their minds to such a degree that, you know, people were crying and falling over in the streets and stuff. Dude, you just answered your own question. So totally just answered your own question. You don't need magic in this. Yeah, exactly. If this guy is post-apocalyptic Elvis and... (laughs) You know, if El Rey is really like, and you want him to be bad, right? Um, yeah. But like, if he is, okay, so he's Nazi Elvis, right? Um, <laughs> like, you know, somebody who's like super charismatic uh, and like, you know, maybe his thing is he's trying to like take control just simply via a cult of personality, right? Like, maybe that's all it takes. Or maybe he's trying to use his position to get close to the mayor so that he can kill the mayor and take over uh, and become the new mayor. Cause everybody loves him or whatever, whatever, right? Like whatever his motivations are. I think he's much more interesting if he's a real person who's just a hell of a showman. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think no, that I agree. I agree. Mm. I think, I think he needs to be like Immortan Joe from, from Fury road, from Mad Max Fury road. You know, if you, if you put a guitar in Joe's hands, uh, and and maybe push El Rey a little farther down the road of dominion, and you know you you've established that you know it's all a bunch of loose settlements and so on. But maybe El Rey is the first person to start. You know, I'm seeing now. I'm starting to see like a postman vibe, uh, where you've got somebody who's finally bringing civilization and cult and culture and organization back to the world, but doing it as you know. Nazi Elvis. Yeah. Well, and make him and make him young, right? Like make him make him a high because imagine imagine if at the height of Elvis mania, right? Like where every young young girl in the country is obsessed with him. If during one of his performances, you know, on the Ed Sullivan show or whatever, he just stops looking at the camera and he's like, All right, girls, kill your parents. <laughs> right? Like, you know, like what? What would have happened, right? Like, if he's essentially like becoming an icon for the purpose of taking over this, like, I mean, because in the apocalypse, what do you have for government except cult of personality, right? Right. So, if this guy's like building a cult of personality for the express purpose of being sort of like a god king, um, 
You know, that's that's pretty interesting. It's almost like a non-magical version of uh, The Wicked and the Divine, which is an amazing comic that if you're not already reading, you all should be. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Writing it down now. Wicked and Divine. It is literally about pop stars who are also gods. Oh, neat. <sighs> I'm there. Love it. I'm so there. Yep. Well, and, totally. and honestly, if you think about it, if you think about the, 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 the culture of a post-apocalyptic world, anyone that could make music, anyone that could bring beauty into a world that is so devastated and crushed would be hailed as as a celebrity as as a priest almost of hope of possibility of of what was and what may yet be there could be a whole subculture of you know, I don't call them minstrels but you know Lydia and and Elray and Dorian and others could be a part of this this loose confederation of the people who through music are giving people hope and El Rey is the antagonist because he's taking that hope and using it as a tool for power rather than redemption. And, you know, I love, James, the idea of Lydia being linked to El Rey uh, uh, at some point. And maybe maybe she drank from that cup and was with him. And then something happened that that made her discover what's wrong. And rather than take up arms against him, she fled. She ran away. It was too much. She couldn't deal with it anymore. And maybe Dorian is the one that, that inspires her to finally become the, the rebel to take it over. Well, so here's something you could do if you I mean, I still I still like the idea of Lydia sort of being the real star of the show. But if you really yes. want Dorian to be in there, one thing you could do is what if. El Rey was the lead singer of the Bunker Busters. They were all backing him for a long time, um, and it was fine. But then he kind of went bad um, and decided that he wanted to, you know, use this uh, use this power that he was getting. Whether you know, really just like uh, you know, the power over crowds. Um, use it kind of to set himself up. And Lydia and the rest of the band was like, hey, screw you. He goes off on his own, recruits other people, and still you know remains successful. Um, but now the Bunker Busters don't have a lead singer. And so they're, they've just had the split. Lydia's trying to figure out what to do. And that's when she, you know, here's Dorian singing as he hoes his field of terrible <laughs> mutated plants or whatever. And she's like, hey, kid, you're in, you know, like, and just like sort of uh, conscripts him into being their lead singer. Almost uh, and he's trying. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's learning on the road. Right. Um. Because they need somebody to do what he can do, but he doesn't know anything about anything yet. That right. could be a way to, you know, kind of take things in a different direction. Agreed. That's fun. Yeah, and because if El Rey was part of the the bunker busters, then it could also mean that he could be turning people against them at the same time too. So when you have the second town that was all like taken over by a magical power in your first draft, then suddenly you can just have them like, they hate the bunker busters because El Rey told them how terrible they'd been to him and they ousted him from the band and whatever story, like if you wanted to keep some of that negativity towards the band itself, you can suddenly use just El Rey's more popular stature against them. Well, well and you can have the whole band be conflicted. You can have a betrayal mm -hmm. at some point where a member of the Bunker Busters is like leaves to go mm -hmm. be part of his new El Rey's new band. You know, suddenly you've got a lot of personal connections there, and uh, there's stakes as opposed to just oh, we need to save the world. It's no, no that that dude burned us. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and that and that also allows for an, a nice escalation of stakes. You know, that intervening town that can be like one of the one of the newest towns that have fallen under uh, uh, El Rey's dominion or, or growing organization or whatever. Uh, they're 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 still fresh and new, so they're not you know entrenched and empowered and indoctrinated, so that the 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 bunker busters when they arrive uh, uh, can be challenged. They can see the danger and the peril of what's happening, uh, and you can demonstrate that through the narrative, and then also demonstrate that if they apply themselves, if they hold true to their faith and and true to what that ideal is that they're striving for, that they can loosen the grip and find a better alternative. That sets up the stage for the big shindig at the City of Light. Well, okay. So, cool. Well, and I do think there's a big question of what is El Rey's end goal and what does he do after he gets beaten at the Battle of the Bands? Because I feel like the Battle of the Bands is like the halfway point because when El Rey walks away, like we all said, he's not going to walk away, right? Like he's going to come out swinging. And while you could do that in one, you know, in one chapter where he comes back with a gun and everybody beats him down or whatever, like I feel like that's more like a midpoint where the characters think they've won. They've won the Battle of the Bands and then everything goes to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it could be, it could be, you know, and I'm just going to start spitballing. This is the the total hornswoggle aspect of brainstorming. Um, There there could be, uh, you know, it's like there are no more planes. There are no more planes and planes are the, the, were the baddest thing that you could possibly have. uh, Or there are no more missiles or there's no more something. Uh, uh, And maybe uh, through all El Rey has been trying to do in his extended dominion is to find the thing, whether it's a plane or a weapon or some some dark thing that will cement his hold. He's not truly committed to the power of the music. He's just using it as a tool of corruption. Uh, uh, maybe maybe it's it's a vat of toxic waste, uh, uh, or or maybe maybe it's it's food or or some medicine or or a medical center. I don't know something that he can then use uh, uh, to to literally take things to the next level and say we're going to do it my way or x is going to happen does that make sense that yeah i i think i think whatever you're doing it has to be something that's woven through from the beginning right, right? um and i guess uh a thing we should keep in mind is that if this is a post-apocalyptic society people are going to have very practical concerns um it's going to be about survival and getting, you know, any sort of improved quality of life. So I think we need to be really careful about making our heroes and villains too sort of philosophical, you know, like, because uh, I know you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, El Rey has this message of kind of hate and, you know, Dorian sings a song that's more about, that's more positive or whatever. And like, I think you can have elements of that. I think that's cool, but you can't just be like, you're using music for evil and we're using music for good. I think it needs to be kind of a, uh, why are they all so concerned about winning the battle of the bands? Is it because like there's a cash prize that'll set them up for life? Is this the chance to, you know, become the new mayor or whatever? Is this how the city of light chooses its mayors? Seems weird, but like, um, you know, is there, there needs to be some real payoff that they're all willing to, practically kill to get in order to have mm-hmm. these stakes like and then there that. needs to be things they're sacrificing in order to do that right like what are they giving up um and you got to have some turning points right like is there 
at some point somebody needs to be tempted, you know, like maybe Lydia, you know, maybe Lydia has the chance to go join, uh, you know, El Rey at the last minute, or maybe, you know, something, right? Like we need more conflict. This story is really pretty, but it doesn't hurt yet. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. My original idea was that the city of light is actually Las Vegas and Jay power, like true to his name, the mayor isn't just in charge because he's like really awesome or something. It's because he actually turned the power back on uh, via the Hoover dam. And that's what makes it such a great place for El Rey to want to go in and take over. It's the only place that has power. That that makes sense, but taking it mm-hmm. over with music isn't isn't going to fly. And if if we're if we're doing away with the the MacGuffin of the voice, then there needs to be another way that he's going to do that. Maybe you even have something where it's like El Rey wants to kill J Power for whatever reason, you know, uh, because J Power did something in the past. So he's trying to just use the Battle of the Bands to get close enough to assassinate him, kind of Lincoln style. But Lydia knows. Like, hey, J.P. Power is the first person to get any sort of semblance of civilization back here. Like, you know, yes, he did these terrible things, but he's a necessary evil, you know. And so, like, she's trying to keep him alive just to keep the place from falling into chaos. And there's something like that. Right. And like neither of them can just let J. Power know about it. I I don't know. But they're like there needs to be high stakes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, and I think the world building, uh, some of it could come from that, but also right now, something just touching on something that James mentioned, there seems to be a bit of a disbalance between like, hey, we've got music and lights, and oh my god, there are cannibals coming to eat us. The disbalance of what's available and what they're afraid of doesn't seem quite, or, or it seems pretty apparent. Oh, geez. Oh, I figured out something. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No. <laughs> Go for it, man. What you got? So, so just uh, what you're saying made me think of uh, well, so the city of light. Maybe the prize that everybody's trying to get is being allowed to live in the city. Maybe there's a giant wall around the place that a- the settlement that actually has power, and J Power only lets in the people that he wants in, and everybody else, like kind of like I mean, Immortan Joe in, Fur- in Fury yeah. Road, he lives, right. you know, by by their standards. Uh, a life of luxury, right? And so maybe this is the same kind of thing where like people are competing to be kind of in his court. Um, and that's why the stakes are so high because whoever, all the bands that lose are going to be right back out there with the cannibals, right? This is your chance to actually <laughs> get in there and live in safety. That's awesome. I love that I'm- because because then, you know, the whole goal of the of the the book up to that point of the of the of the battle of the bands is we've we've got to get inside. You know, maybe Dorian has a wasting disease. You know, I'm thinking Elysium. Uh, uh, and you know, there's 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 stuff in here that I must have for my dying mother or whatever. But when the battle is over, something uh, uh you know, El Rey launches an attack or whatever, but through the the happenstance of the final events then Lydia finds herself in a position to be running the place you know Jay Jay Power dies is 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 destroyed in a, in in, a, in the generator explosion that that El Rey starts whatever I don't know but I love that reversal and that escalation or, of stakes or yeah. tear it down so that you know 
Yeah, essentially tear down the walls and bring power to the people, right? Like, you know, yeah. take it out of one person's oh, hands. Uh, and that goes back to the world building too. But what if, because keeping in mind that this is a YA that you're looking to write as well, and that there could be some good moral uh, oppositions going on so that the, the reader could be wondering, well, these are the good guys, but I can see the bad guy's point of view as well, which makes for interesting tales. Yes. You could have even that, uh, you know, El Ray wants to take down the City of Lights, uh, break it down because it's an unfair system. It doesn't keep everyone on equal toes. So he's got it in his head that it just needs to be collapsed. The walls need to come down and we need to just fight the cannibals and not ignore it in this city of debauchery. And then uh, Lydia is like, well, no, this is the one safe haven we have. We have to save it. But when you look at both their arguments, obviously you can put it so that one of them is more right than the other but you can have both characters have really good reasons why they want to accomplish why they, what they want to accomplish and that would make for a really strong YA story as well because yeah. you're giving them that moral baseline and the, also the, sets up a lovely sequel it does doesn't those, it yeah those moral <laughs> questions are huge because you could also have the sort of thing where like um, you know so El Rey maybe is from the outside and he really wants to like, he's seen how these people kind of like water barons in California, right? Like they're, yeah. these people are keeping everything good for themselves and he wants to tear it down and give it to the rest of the people, which is actually quite noble in a lot of ways. Um, whereas Lydia is like, you know, maybe she under, she sees that, but maybe she's got family on the inside. Maybe she's from there originally before she went off, you know, on a walkabout. So like, on the one hand, she totally gets it, but on the other hand, like she's got people in there. Like she doesn't yeah. want to see that nice. fall. Like, um, you know, and so something where they both have, like you were saying, they both have really good reasons. <laughs> Rather, they both see the negatives in the other's plan, but neither of them mm-hmm. is necessarily right. That's always stronger. I always like a villain that I can see what they're thinking and where they can kind of almost convince me right yeah exactly i love that guys i I, I hate to say it but the clock is ticking down (laughs) i need to i need to move us into that final stage one last quick once around the table uh where we can all just give final thoughts to 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 brandon and send him off to write this fabulous tale james we'll start with you sir final thoughts for for brandon um i think this is really interesting the one thing i would put out there as just a practical concern are you an artist or do you have an artist lined up? I have an artist lined up. Okay, great. Well, then that takes away. <laughs> the number one thing I was going to say is it's really hard as a writer to find a, uh, an artist who's willing to, to work with you long term. But, uh, but if you've got one, then go for it, man. <laughs> He's on it. He's on it. Outstanding. Marie, what about you? What are your, what are your final thoughts for Master Brandon? I think that, you know, we we just played a lot with the story, but one of the things that we really just touched on was just elevating the concepts and making them more tied together, more intense and, and more emotional. Uh, but overall, at the base of it, you have a really cool concept and a really fun story idea. So please write it as best as you can. Make it super awesome. I'm sure you will. And I can't wait to read it. Have fun with it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent advice. And then that harkens back to the to the Archivos insights. Have fun. By God. Saw what I did. <laughs> I saw exactly <laughs> what you did. Brilliant. Uh and and for myself, Brandon, you you've already demonstrated uh, uh through your inspiration list the the willingness to explore uh and be inspired by other narratives. And I would I would encourage you as you move forward to look at movies like The Postman, look or see again, you know, all the Mad Max flicks, 
uh, watch, see how that, you know, a, a boy and his dog, look at the genre of post-apocalyptic fiction. I, I think you've got a grip on the, the power of the band story. Uh, uh, now, I think expanding and, and finding those key points thematically and emotionally that inform what good post-apocalyptic fiction is and what you consider good post-apocalyptic fiction because your unique vision is what will breathe life into the story. Finding those elements, making sure they are represented, making sure you have a rich story world, make sure that whatever they're getting at the City of Light, you have demonstrated the lack of in the story leading up to it. Always support those agendas that everyone is having. We need to see more of what the stakes are, what the conflicts are, and and experience that information. That's my advice. Steep yourself in the post-apocalyptic tradition, find the elements that groove on you, uh, uh, and then demonstrate, show us the stakes, set up the conflicts with with the stakes and, and the penalties of not getting it as well as the benefits of achieving it. Those are my suggestions. Wow. This has been an epic brainstorm. Very mm-hmm. cool. Now, here's yeah. the deal. Uh, 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 James and... Brandon, uh, in the past, uh, with the roundtable, we would we would dangle the carrot of uh, uh, if you publish this story, we'll bring you back and knight you, and and we still <laughs> want you to come out and publish this story because it's awesome. Obviously, you don't mm-hmm. have a brainstorm like that without without fabulosity uh, being in its DNA. Um, but instead of knighting you, we're going to actually help you help you write this story uh, and get it out in the world because. James, both you and you, Brandon, uh, for services rendered, are going to receive a free one-year subscription to Archivos. When we launch the open beta on September 1st, we will send each of you a special code so you can rock this thing for a year and have it help you build your story world. Cool. Uh, Sounds awesome. Excellent. Brandon, dude, yeah. you you brought the gold. Uh, this was an excellent story, uh, well conceived, well thought out. Uh, I, you you contributed to the brainstorm uh, with keen insights that I think really helped all of us in in the exploration. I hope you got what you were looking for, and we really appreciate you stepping up, man. Oh, hey, it was it was awesome to hear some other voices in there because uh, you know a lot of times you just kind of get lost in your own single track there. So it's always good to have other people riff on stuff. Dude, so. dude, you're singing our song, man. That is absolutely <laughs> true. That's that's why brainstorming is so fabulous. You do get those multiple perspectives and new insights that, you know, not all of it is is literary gold, but all you need is that one hook to go, yeah, <laughs> and bam, you're off to the races. Very cool. James Sutter, uh, sir, this has been outstanding. Uh, once again, you bring your A-game uh, to your brainstorming arena performance uh, uh, and always a, a genuine delight. Sir, thank you so much for making the time and sharing so generously with your mojo. Hey, thanks to you guys for uh, bringing me on and thanks, uh, Brand, for letting me mess around with your story. I appreciate it. And it sounds like a lot of fun. And my co-host, Marie Bilodeau, Gadzooks, always a delight to get back into the brainstorming (laughs) arena with you, ma'am. Thank you so much for for bringing your customary fabulosity and truly wonderful insights to the discussion. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. This was this was a lot of fun. I had missed this, so thank you so much. You and me both. You and me both. Good to be back (laughs) in the saddle, as it were. It is. I don't think we've lost it, too, which is kind of nice, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like riding a bicycle, baby. Once you brainstorm, you never go back. 
It just <laughs> fell down a couple times, but we got ourselves right back up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Very cool. And friends, as long as we're doling out the gratitude, thank you for hitting the play button. Uh, you're the reason why we do this. Otherwise, we're four people talking on a Skype line, which is cool, but you wouldn't have <laughs> caught caught fire, caught the sparks of creativity that I'm sure you did in listening to that brainstorming awesomeness. If you're digging it, if you love it, if you're going, wow, that was totally worth my time, then do us a favor, pay it forward, write a review on iTunes, blog about us, share a Facebook post or a Twitter feed, let the world know about the Archivos Brainstorms and the Archivos Podcast Network, because that's why we're here, to spread the love and inspire the creativity. Holy smokes, I am... I may be a little out of practice, but as I recall, Marie, at this point, I was already panting and sweating uh, <laughs> all the time when I'm doing this. It's just it's uh, the temperature goes up. There's 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 fire going on here. Oh, yeah. It's uh, just it's a, it's a brain. It's actually melting. <laughs> well, guys, as, as exhausted and spent as we all are, here's the fabulous thing about the Archivos podcasting network, baby, like the phoenix from the ashes. We will arise again with new guest hosts bringing their wisdom to our ears, new courageous guest writers setting the table for a brainstorming feast uh more archivos podcast goodness to be had by all uh but that's you know that's probably going to be in about 14 days and i know that's a long darn time i'm sorry it's just the way it is uh (laughs) but but marie i know you've got some some keen wisdoms and insights to share with our friends to make that time fly by lay it on us ma'am I certainly will. You know, I'm just going to pick back up on something that the wonderful James Sutter said, and I'm going to say, try to find what's fun about your story again, if you've forgotten it. Try to find out, rediscover what you love about writing, and particularly on that project that you absolutely once loved, even if you no longer do. Remember the love, my friends, and the fun, and go with it. I think that's sound key, wonderful advice. Wonderful advice. Agreed. And I will tell you, friends, as I always do, that you find what you're looking for. So if you look for that top shelf blue label goodness, look for that lost Christmas present at the back of the tree, look for the loose change in in the sofa. If you look for this stuff, I promise you, friends, you will find it. We'll be back soon with more Archivos Podcast Network fabulosity. Until then, you guys stay cool, stay frothy, And stay awesome. And we (laughs) will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode of Archivos Brainstorms is copyright 2017 by WonderThing Studios and is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike 4.0 International License. To find out what that means and how you can use this content in your own presentations, visit www.creativecommons.org. Theme music for this episode of Archivos Brainstorms was performed by the Hepcats of Brotown, Gary Gold, David LaBroyere, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you would like to be a guest writer or guest host, join in on the conversation, or just learn more about the Archivos Podcast Network, visit our website at www.archivos.digital and click the podcast link. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and on Twitter at Writers Podcast. And you can always email us at podcast at digital. Thanks for listening.